I have no doubt that every single one of us here today believes in God. The question that we most often have to deal with is whether or not we actually believe God. When God has told us how we ought to live, do we believe what He says and live that way? In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, the Scripture there says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are higher than our ways. And because of that, at times when we learn God's ways, we may not understand them. We may not agree with them. And so we may struggle with living by them. But we have the Lord's resolute command in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. In Proverbs 3, 5, the Lord said through the proverbialist, Lean not on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. And that is our duty, to obey God, trusting Him, whatever He has said. Herein lies our test of faith. Do we really believe God? Is there any place in our lives where this test of faith hits us most than in our families? How easy it is for us in our families to look at our husbands and our wives and believe that this whole family thing is all about me and make it about self and try to live the way I want to live instead of getting into the Word of God and living the way God has said I ought to live. Last week we addressed this issue from the standpoint of the husbands, recognizing that husbands and headship is not about being served, but about being servants. As we husbands learn that our duty is to lead with love. This week we want to examine this test of our faith looking at the wives' side of this marriage equation, recognizing that wives also are facing a test of their faith. And as we said last week with husbands, their duty could be summed up in two words, leadership and love. I think we can say with wives that their responsibility is also summed up in two words, help and submission. Let's begin by noting what the Bible says about the wife as a helper. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, as God created man and woman, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, God demonstrated that His purpose in creating the wife was to create a helper for the husband. He said in Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Wives, that is the governing principle of your role. Your duty is to be the helper to your husband. I think there are four things that we can note about helping your husbands in Scripture. Look in Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 12. In Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 12, of course, we learn about the worthy woman, the virtuous wife whose worth is far above rubies. In Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 12, the proverbialist said, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Wives, your duty in regard to your husband is to do good unto him and not evil all the days of his life. In fact, this woman in Proverbs 31 does so much good for her husband, helps him so much that according to verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. That's how much she helps him. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 5, when Paul told Titus to teach the older women to teach the younger women, one of the things he said was teach those younger women to be good, 
or to be kind, depending on the translation you have. That is exactly your responsibility in the marriage, to be good all the days of your life to your husband and not evil. We need women who teach younger women these things because they won't hear it anyplace else but here. Our society and the modern feminism of society does not teach wives to be helpers to their husbands. According to our society, wives are not to be helpers to their husbands, but to be competitors with their husbands. What our wives are taught by our society today is to think whatever you can do, I can do better. But the Scripture says that the role of wife in the home is to say, whatever you can do, I can help you do better. And working together as a family, not as just individuals competing. The modern feminist movement does not like this idea of wives helping their husbands being known in the gates. They think that the wives' role is to usurp that position so that they can be known in the gates and have their praise. But very interestingly, notice at the end of Proverbs 31 and verse 31, give her of the fruit of her hand and let her own works praise her in the gates. The worthy woman is praised in the gates, is known among the people of the land. Where the modern feminists fail, the worthy wife will succeed. But she will succeed by doing good to her husband always and not evil by being a helper to him. Your role as helper in the home is to help your husband get to heaven. I recognize, and we pointed out last week, that the husband, as the leader of the home, is supposed to be leading his family to heaven. And he has the lion's share of that responsibility. But wives, you must not believe that that is all about him and that you have no responsibility regarding going to heaven and helping your husband get there. In 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Peter said to wives, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. What was the purpose in acting this way? So that husbands could be won. And we're not talking about winning them and getting them to marry you. We're talking about winning them and getting them to go to heaven because they weren't obeying the Word and now they are. Wives, your responsibility is to help your husband get to heaven in every way you possibly can. Later on in this chapter, in 1 Peter 3, 7, Peter demonstrated that Christian husbands and wives are joint heirs of the grace of life. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, they have the same responsibility to each other to help one another go to heaven. They are under the command of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Wives, your role in the marriage, being submissive to your husband, does not mean that you must sit silently by while your husband sins. Rather, your role as helper in the marriage means that when your husband sins, it is your job as one who is spiritual to restore such a one. But keep in mind that both Paul and Peter in these passages agree. No matter who we're dealing with, whether our husbands or anyone else, it should be done in a spirit of gentleness and meekness. With a meek and quiet spirit, Peter said. And that is what must be done in our homes. When our husbands sin, they must not be belittled and berated. You must simply remind them. Remember what the Scripture says. Gently admonish them. 
And as Peter pointed out in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 and following, lead an exemplary life so that your husband and your children, if you have them, can see how a Christian is supposed to behave and thus help them get to heaven. Thirdly, as your husband, the third responsibility is to be a manager of the home. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14, Paul, as he was talking to younger widows, as he was dealing with this issue of churches supporting widows, he said in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14, Therefore I desire that the younger widows marry their children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. This issue of managing the home deals with providing for the home. It doesn't deal with who makes the money. Regardless of who makes the money, what this points out, wives, your responsibility is to make sure that with whatever you have, that the family is provided for. That the affairs of the home run smoothly. That food is on the table and clothes are on the back. That the home is a place where everybody, including yourself, wants to be and wants to come home to. I want you to notice in Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 21. In Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 21, again, we look at the virtuous wife whose worth is far above jewels. In Proverbs 31 and verse 21, it says of her, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. All her household is clothed with scarlet, so she's not afraid of the snow. What's that saying? She didn't know if it was going to snow or not, but she knew looking into the future whether it snowed or whether it didn't, her family was prepared for. She wasn't worried about the emergencies that might come up because in her planning and in her managing the home, she had looked into the future and prepared for those emergencies. How many times do we end up in situations in dire straits and emergencies because things have happened to us and now we're in trouble? But the real reason we're in trouble is not because something happened to us, but because before that, we had lived as though nothing would ever happen to us. According to this, we're supposed to have managers in the home. And as you manage the home, consider the future. Prepare for what might come. Don't just think about the moment. But think ahead and have your family prepared as you manage. Finally, as far as helping in the home... We recognize from Titus chapter 2 and verse 5 that you are supposed to be a guard in your home. Titus chapter 2 and verse 5. Paul here was telling Titus as an evangelist, here's what you need to teach folks. Teach the older men this and the younger men this. Teach the older women this. And one of the things he said to teach the older women, he said in verse 4 of Titus 2 that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers. Good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. While the New King James uses the phrase homemaker, other translations use the phrase keeper of the home. The term that's translated here literally means house guard. This passage is not talking about making beds and doing dishes. This passage is talking about being a guardian in the home. The wife's responsibility in helping her husband is to be the one that is on patrol and on watch to make sure that the ravenous wolves of our world and our society do not enter our homes and destroy our families. It is your responsibility, wives, 
to watch out for the purity of your home and be on guard that those evil influences that can destroy the purity of your husband and your children don't make it inside the home. That's your job. Now, men, think about this. Think about what this says. Your wife is given the responsibility to guard your home. I believe there's a reason for that. Because men, just in general, wives are more sensitive to what is morally pure and decent than we are. And we need to remember that. And those times when our wives are letting us know that something is inappropriate and indecent and ought not be allowed in our homes, and those times when we think they're on the extreme and they're going too far, the truth of the matter probably is that they're more in tune with God's strict standards than we are. God has given them the responsibility to be the guard in the home and the husbands, we need to let them be that guard. And if your wife says, that's inappropriate, that shouldn't be allowed in our house, you need to listen. Because that's her God-given job. Wives, your role is to be the guard of the home. Don't let those evil influences in. Whether it be regarding friends, television, movies, music, don't let it in. Wives, you're to be helpers and help in the home. Secondly, you're to be submissive. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22, the Scripture says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Not only is your role described as a helper, but it's also described by the word submission. And there are four things that I think we can learn about this. First of all, as we read the passage here, you note that you are supposed to submit to your own husband. We need to understand the word submission. We need to recognize that the term translated here was actually a military term. It was a term that was used to describe to arrange troops in ranks underneath a leader who would lead them into battle. When used in a non-military sense, it was used of the idea of voluntarily giving up one's rights in order to aid and benefit someone else in order to help carry a burden. That's the term that Paul uses here. That's your job. This term does not describe the relative importance of the one submitting or the one submitted to. This term does not say, wives, you are less important. That's not what it says. This term is actually one of just a very practical nature. The fact is, in any institution that is fighting a battle or trying to accomplish a goal, it is just very practical. Someone, somewhere, has to be the one who is in final authority and others have to be followers. It's that way in business. It's that way in churches. It's that way on sports teams. And brethren, it's that way in our families. And God has established the roles so that families can function properly and accomplish their goals and win the battles. And when families do not follow this pattern, dysfunction reigns. God has established the roles. The husband is the head. The wife is the follower. And because our society does not like those roles, it is no surprise that dysfunctional families are everywhere. Wives, your responsibility is to follow your husband. Follow his lead. Submit to your own husband. In the end, 
After all the discussion is over, when the decision is finally made, your responsibility is to submit to the husband. Notice what it says, two things. Submit to your own husband. Don't submit to someone else's husband. Let's face it, after you've been married for a while, you can see other husbands that you think might be a lot more like the person you really wish you had married. I guarantee you'll get to know him better and you'll realize you didn't want to be married to that guy either. But, you're not submitting to someone else's husband. You're submitting to your husband. You're not submitting to your girlfriend's ideas about the way your home ought to be. You're not to submit to the popular sentiments about the way the home is supposed to be. God said, wives, submit to your own husbands. There's one biblical exception, our second point to note on this, and that is by the principle demonstrated in Acts 5.29. We're supposed to submit to the governing authorities, and yet in Acts 5.29, the governing authorities had said something to the apostles. They told them, you don't teach this gospel. And Peter and the other apostles answered and said in Acts 5.29, we ought to obey God rather than man. When your husband's lead is leading you in a way that contradicts God's Word and causes you to sin, then you follow God instead of man. For instance, Super Bowl's coming up. Your husband says, we're, we're going to forsake the assembly and, go, and watch the Super Bowl. Your job is to stand up and say, I'm to obey God rather than man. And me and the kids are going. If you want to stay here and sin, that's your deal. That's the only exception. Only when his lead takes you into sin. Secondly, it says, as to the Lord. The Scripture is really unequivocal about this. It doesn't equivocate. It doesn't vacillate. It's just very clear. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Look at that guy you promised to devote your life to. What Paul says is that you're supposed to obey him in the same way as if it was God Almighty sitting there making that decision. As to the Lord. Now I recognize that most wives will say, yeah, but if it was God Almighty sitting there, He wouldn't be treating me the way this guy is treating me. And He wouldn't be acting the way this guy is acting. That is most certainly true. Because we husbands are fallible and we mess up all the time. But do you remember what it said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2? We read it just moments ago, but let's read it again. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the Word. you catch that phrase? I stretched it out. Make sure to emphasize it. Even if they're not obeying the Word. Whether Christian or otherwise, if they're not obeying the Word, your job is still to be submissive. Why? That they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. I think this is very important. Peter says, instead of getting all wrapped up in, yeah, but they're not obeying the Word and trying to just force them to obey the Word, he says your response to that is to submit to them even still, demonstrating a chaste and quiet spirit, a godly spirit, focusing on the person of the heart, not on outer adornment. And in that way, you might win your husband. Not always. Not all husbands will be won by that. But in that way, you might win your husband. Wives, I've known some very ungodly husbands. And I've known wives that have had to deal with them. And I'm going to tell you, in my experience, I have seen the submission of wives work wonders on ungodly men. Not on all, but I've seen it happen. I have never yet once seen the rebellion of a wife who has finally had enough of her husband's ungodly conduct ever 
bring that husband to repentance. I've never seen that happen. Peter says you can win your husband by continuing to be submissive with a chaste and quiet spirit, gently striving to restore such a one. Submit as to the Lord. Thirdly, we are to submit with obedience. Titus chapter 2 and verse 5. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 5, Paul was talking about what the older women ought to teach the younger women. He said he ought to teach them to love their husbands, love their children, be discreet, chaste, guardians of the home, good, obedient to their husbands. Submission means obeying. He's given the final decision. Your role when the day is done is to step in line and go along with that decision. But someone will ask, but what, when I, what about when I disagree? What about when she thinks he's wrong? What about when he is wrong? Please understand that this role of submission with obedience is not accomplished until the wife faces the situation where she disagrees with her husband and does what he says anyway. Remember, this is supposed to be as to the Lord. Now, if we were having a Bible study and we were in our Bible class and we're talking about people in churches talking about obeying the Lord, what would we say? We would say, well, what about those folks who obey the Lord as long as He's saying whatever they wanted to do anyway, but then when He says something different, they do what they want. Were they really obeying the Lord? No. When they were going along with the Lord, were they really obeying the Lord? No. They were only doing what they wanted to do. It just so happened in those situations that God was doing what they wanted. And so they were going along with Him. We're not really obeying the Lord. And so we hit that time when we don't understand why He has us doing something or we don't like it or we don't agree, it, agree with it and we do it anyway. Because He's the Lord and we're supposed to obey Him. And wives, it's the very same situation. It's not submission unless you're put to the test in the times when you don't agree and you don't like it and you don't understand it. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about times when you don't agree, you don't think it's what's best, you don't like it. It's not submission until you face those times and you say, because I'm supposed to obey, I will. Then it's submission. It's not submission if you're only following the husband as long as he's going the way you wanted to go anyway. Paul said, submit with obedience. And fourthly, submit with respect. In Ephesians chapter 5, as Paul concludes what he says about the husbands and the wives and their responsibilities in verse 33, Paul says in Ephesians 5.33, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband, that she reveres and honors him. There are wives who have decided, well, I'll submit obediently, but I'm going to argue the whole way. Or when it does come out that in fact her way was better, what does she say? See, I told you so. This is not respect. This is not reverence. This is not honor. Not only do wives submit with obedience, but submit with respect. And treat your husbands with respect and reverence and honor. But again, I've known some ungodly husbands. And wives ask, how on earth am I supposed to respect that man? Let me provide this advice. Find something, anything, that you can respect and revere and honor them for that. Stop visibly and verbally dishonoring them for the other things. You'll be amazed at the wonders that works in your husband's life.
Interestingly, we can look again in Titus chapter 2 and verse 5. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 4, 4 rather. <coughs> when it says that the older women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands. It's not the same word Paul used when he told husbands to love their wives. When he told husbands to love their wives, he used that, the word agapeo. Remember, we talked about that last week. Here, he uses the idea, he uses the word phileo. In past study, we learned that that idea of phileo love is the idea of a relational love that says, I esteem and adore you above all others. Here's that idea of the emotional side of respect that wives are supposed to have for your husbands. I esteem and adore you above all others. I don't esteem that other husband. I don't esteem my friend's husband above you. I don't wish you were more like them. I esteem and adore you. And I just want to help you be the best Christian you can be. And that's what we're going to do in our marriage is help one another go to heaven. That's your role in the marriage. Now, wives, let me explain to you why this is so important. Look again in 1 Timothy 5.14. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14, Paul said as he was dealing with this very sensitive issue of widows and what they needed to do if they were younger, he told them to marry, bear children, manage the house, give no... Why? To give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. When roles are not fulfilled responsibly in the home, that gives the adversary room to speak reproachfully against us. That means he'll have an ability to accuse us before our judge of sin that we've been living in. And I don't know about you, but when I stand before God, I don't want the adversary to have room to speak an accusation against me. I want to be growing in Christ, having His blood wash my sins away, because as I realize what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm changing and repenting. Here is the test of faith. Do we really believe God's way is best? Or do we want to just do things our way? Husbands, your job is not to have your family serve you, but to be a servant leading with love. Wives, your duty is not to rule over your husband, but to be a helper to him, submitting to him. This is what God has said will make for happy, healthy, functional homes. Now the question is, do we really believe it? Would you please pull out your songbooks?